All right, so it's been a minute, a few months. A while. A while. A while. Um, but basically everything we said several months ago um, happened exactly. Yes, exactly how we stated. Um, the Warriors and Cavs played Every, once everyone again. Everyone expected that, yeah. honestly. We, we're not we're not swamis here. We, we, uh, we only knew what everybody else knew. Um, so what, what did you think of the finals? What was your takeaway of the finals? Um, I thought it was a... a well played finals. I think game three was the deciding game. As they say, a series doesn't start until you lose on your home floor. So we knew the series really began with game three. And I mean, the Warriors just, they were overpowering. It's a Kevin Durant game. It, exactly. It's just like Kevin Durant was the equal, well, the factor to get them over Cleveland. It's just like, what did Cleveland do to match that? Like, yeah. What, what, what? Well, they, they played a great game and they played well enough to win. Um, I mean, that that's really the game that Cleveland should have won, and Durant just took it. Uh, in the last few minutes, I mean, the whole, all the energy was just sucked out of that building. They felt like they were going to win. You know, they had the whole momentum in the whole second half, and Durant just made plays down the stretch and just put the team on his back. One, one thing that we also saw was Cleveland, they went back to one-on-one basketball in the last minutes of the game where when oh I mean OKC I'm about to call Warriors <laughs> OKC wherever Kevin Durant goes that's OKC but it's just like they gave the game away they did what OKC did last year with Westbrook and Durant at the end of the game let's just give the ball to our best player and they're gonna make a play for us that's what that was a thought process and obviously Kyrie didn't come through LeBron I don't know what happened in those moments but it was just like for some reason they started to play one-on-one basketball less movement Less cuts to the basket, the that which left the corner shots not open. Yeah. You know, just everybody's being able to stay home and stay to their man. And when you guard them one on one, that one on one basketball, you're not gonna win that way. So especially not against the Warriors. I think they were in a bind because the way that Cleveland played, particularly in the playoffs, like you watch them in all the playoff games leading up to the Warriors, they had that high powered offense where they're playing with pace, shooting a lot of threes, scoring a lot, right, and sort of running teams out of the building. And they knew full well that they cannot play that way against the Warriors. Um, they have to have that kind of grind-out game to really have a chance. And so, it, you know, they were in this weird situation where they can't play the style that has been really working for them. Um, they have to slow down the game. And that kind of doesn't give them the fluidity and get the role players the open looks that they need that worked. I mean, Channing Fry was great in the playoffs. In the playoffs, but where he was barely he? played barely. in the finals. He, I, he only got garbage time, honestly. Right. He really didn't play in the finals. He didn't have any meaning, meaningful, significant minutes when the game really mattered, like when the game was on the line or whether it was second, third quarter. Right. He wasn't really brought in to say, okay, we have Channing Fry as a weapon. Right. But, Whereas the entire rest of the playoffs, they used him as a weapon, and you know he, he can create matchup problems for, for bigs and pull them out of the paint and you know, just make their whole offense more dynamic. So I think they were really in a bind there because they, they really couldn't play the style that had worked for them. And there were such mis, like mixed messages about it. Like, no, we're going to play our style. Like, But in the back of their heads, like, no, you, you, can't you do really. have to slow it down and make it that grind-out game so that maybe you could just steal one in the last few minutes. And nobody can stop Kyrie and nobody can stop LeBron off the dribble. And so you just have to get close in the last few minutes and hope that's how it happens. I mean... One of the things that I think Cleveland should have done was that they should have supplemented everything else off of the post game with LeBron. Absolutely. I think if you put Brown in that position, lesson. 
Exactly. You put LeBron in the post, and you slow the game down that way. You have those dynamic shooters on the wing. Absolutely. You can pass out to those because nobody's going to be able to guard LeBron in the post one-on-one. Whether Absolutely. you put Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, like who's really going to guard LeBron James in the post? And so what Cleveland didn't do was they didn't give the Warriors a problem that they couldn't solve. Yeah. Like the Kevin Durant problem is a problem that I don't think anybody really can six ten right able to shoot over anybody. So it's like he's gonna get his points and he's that dynamic. So when you add that to the rest of the pieces with the Warriors, they have an, a great team, almost a unbeatable team. Right. The margin but for error shrinks exactly. for the other team. And it's like now when you put LeBron James in a post It's a similar sort of where they can't guard him because yeah. when you watch game five when they were going back and forth at the end of the game, and LeBron was trying to will his team to a win, and he just kept driving straight to the basket past Iguodala. It's like, he obviously can't guard him. So that should have showed them, like, we have this person, this matchup that is in our benefit. Let's use right. it in the right way. Right. But instead, having LeBron play more on the wing, more jump shots, just facilitating from that area, I think they didn't really, you know, they didn't really present a challenge to the Warriors the way they should have. And I think, you know, with LeBron having to handle the ball as a, you know, basically point guard and, and, and playmaker off the dribble and on the perimeter, it seemed like they were really wearing him out. Um, you know, the, the, the high usage rate of him playing with pace, um, it, it seemed to, to wear him out in a way that maybe if he played in the post, um, he would be wearing other people out. Uh, his strength, his ability to just lean on somebody, and, you know, when they did that in Miami, and whenever he does that, his field goal percentage is through the roof when he when he posts up and he gets a catch, uh, you know, at the very least getting a catch eight feet away. Um, and even if he faces up at that point, I mean, it, it his his ability to establish down there uh, just creates exactly the kind of matchup problems that you were talking about. And what it makes me think of, it makes me want to give a lot of props to Mario Chalmers and Norris Cole because basically what LeBron was – screaming for the whole season was we need a backup point guard, we need a backup point guard. Somebody who could come in and actually affect the game. Like Darren Williams had good solid minutes, yeah. but he didn't really do too much to I didn't feel like he game. was a dynamic exactly. playmaker. Exactly. He really wasn't like you can remember Chalmers hit a few big shots here and there. Yeah. They did things that actually affected the game. So mm-hmm. I think that when Braun was saying, Okay, we need a backup point guard, he was saying that because he knew that when it came time for Someone to really, someone else to really handle the ball on Cleveland that they needed that piece and because it wasn't going to be Kyrie. Kyrie is more of a two guard in the point guard's body, right? Which you can't take that away from because he's great. Amazing. He's great at what he does. Exactly. And so it's like now you want that backup point guard so LeBron could slide over, go back and play the wing a little bit, maybe even put him in a post, have somebody else control the game, control the team from the point guard position, and he can do what he needs to do, but. Unfortunately, they found Darren Williams, who was serviceable, but I don't think he was enough to get them over. The I mean, that's why you brought up a guy like uh, Jameer Nelson, you know, several months ago. Yes. Here's a guy that would fit and give spot minutes as a real veteran point guard who can really run a team. And look, not that Darren Williams wasn't a real point guard that could run a team, but he's obviously in a diminished state versus uh, several years ago. Exactly. And, um, you know, he. His ability to break people down off the dribble, that's it's just, just kind of gone. It's just not there. Um, and like, that's why I, st- I, I recommended somebody like Jermaine Nelson. I feel like his jump shot is just more consistent yeah. to the point where you have to respect it. It's like when Darren Williams was in the game, he got the ball passed to him for a three. We could let him shoot yeah. that shot. Yeah, but when you're playing Jamel, the percentages, you exactly. want him shooting. Great. If, we, if we put 
because they were running sets with Darren Williams and Kyrie on the floor together to let Kyrie play off the ball. Which makes you, sense. Exactly. But if you put Jermaine Nelson in that same position, a bona fide three-point shooter who has a better three-point shot than Darren Williams, I think he was hitting like something like 39%. It makes it a I'm harder decision for the defense. Exactly. Because like, in the first lineup, you say, well, fine, I'll double Kyrie and let Darren yes. Williams shoot the three. Yes. And if it's Jameer Nelson out there, you have to think twice about exactly. that. Exactly. You have now to honor Kyrie that a little bit more. Have free that spaces the floor for everybody else if they have to stay at home a little bit more. And that's what LeBron was talking about kind of all season in terms of getting the right pieces on that roster. They added a lot of guys. They had a very deep team on paper. But I thought one of the surprising things in the finals was that that depth did not really show up. It did. Kyle Korver did not really have a good series at all. Um, you know, it He's there as a specialist, and he did not fill that role as a specialist. Um, and they have other guys that can shoot. You know, we talked about Channing Fry. I mean, a, a guy like J.R. Smith filled his role and played well after Game Two, right? Um, Once they got back home, which is which is typical I mean, J.R. Well, role players, you know, play better at home, so yeah, that was expected. And and frankly, when he did play well, he played really well. He did. Right. I'm, one of the things that um, me and a few of my friends said going into the series was that. JR needed to average about 15 points a game in order for Cleveland to be able to compete because who would be that fourth option for Cleveland? It's like now everybody was talking about a big three. Yeah. Well, Cleveland has that. They have Kyrie, Kevin Love, and LeBron James. But when you look at the Warriors, they have essentially a big four. Yeah. And you can throw other pieces in there where you can say they got a big five if you combine Livingston and Iguodala into one player. Like yeah. They have serviceable players who not only specialize, but they can do multiple things. And so, I think what Cleveland, like, so my question is now, where does Cleveland go from here? What moves do you think Cleveland makes to try to catch the Warriors, so to speak? Well, I think one of the things that they need is definitely more on the offensive end and more versatility offensively. You know, everybody's talked about Carmelo Anthony as a fit there. And I think part of why that works is because you could plug him in at multiple positions, and you could have a lot more flexibility with your lineups. Um, you know, you, you could conceivably play him with Kevin Love at the same time. You're not going to have great defense. You're not going to have defending around the basket. But you will have five shooters. I don't know. I think differently. I think the LeBron James factor, the factor that, okay, I'm going to step into a situation where a championship is actually attainable. Yeah. I think Carmelo plays the best non That's a great point. season of his career. That's a great point. I think playing with a guy like LeBron would force Carmelo to raise his game in all aspects because LeBron doesn't put up with it. I mean, when you look at the games where Carmelo Anthony plays against LeBron James, I'm not saying that he plays exceptional defense against LeBron like he locks him up, but the effort. Yes. It's just the effort is there. And I think yeah. what it is is that Melo is just a competitor, but he's like a, he's a lazy competitor. It's yeah. like, okay, when I know the opposition is great on the other He's side. He's a sleeping giant. And now I got to step up. Yeah. But it's like, if the opposition is not that good, then okay, maybe I could defer a little bit more or let other people. But tonight's just, not the night I exactly, have to do Exactly. But it's like, when it's those games, Madison Square Garden, me versus LeBron James, whole world watching, Carmelo Anthony go for 30-something points, probably have two of those swipe blocks that he's known for but it's like okay Melo you can do that on a regular basis you right, don't have right. to just wait why not on a Tuesday for, night exactly exactly so I don't know I, I, I'm kind of on the fence with Carmelo going to Cleveland I think it would be a good fit for them honestly you match up pretty well with the Warriors but I don't know I think um I think what Cleveland needs to do is they need to find more pieces as far as like to round up their team 
and players who are going to be able to affect the game more on a defensive end, especially a big or something like that, like maybe a wing who could switch on the pick and roll because that's their biggest detriment. When you see it, that's exactly what the Warriors did the whole series. Let's pick and roll, let's pick and roll, get the switch. Go at Kevin Love. Exactly. Once you got the big on the point guard or once you get the switch of the primary defender off, now it's like, let's attack that. So when you got a big who can move in the pick and roll, who can actually go out and defend, I think, you know, that's something that Cleveland should value. And like we talk about, you know, more depth at the point guard position, maybe the backup point guard position, somebody that can just, um, you know, shoot the ball and get into the lane um, and, and make it so you can't double Kyrie and you can't slack off that guy at that other guard position. So, we asked about the Cavs and where they go from here. The Warriors, the champions. What moves do they make? I mean, I know Kevin Durant said that he would take a pay cut in order for them to keep their core together, but you're a year older. Other teams now know exactly what you're doing. If they add a piece, what piece would they add or could they add a piece? I think they, possible? You know, they probably need some more depth up front and some more defensive ability up front. Um, you know, it, it's amazing what they were able to do with Zaza Pachulia starting games uh, in June. <laughs> it's it's amazing what they were able to please do. Please don't curse at me with that name, Zaza Pachulia. You know, we'll get into that later. But uh. um, and you know, Jabail <laughs> McGee did not really play that much. But it's like that was the two-headed center. Yes, yes it and was. And it's like okay, I mean, Jabail has length, he has athleticism, but. That is not exactly the kind of guy you need there. A Tristan Thompson mm. would be a huge, a Tristan uh, Thompson type. you know, role player, and give them a lot more versatility. Um, because the only weakness that they seem to have, and they don't even really have this weakness, is defending around the basket. Right? Who is the shot blocker? Um, who is the obvious, you know, big dude who's going to rebound that's going to end the play? And um, you know. Th- because they're so good, yeah. and because championship teams can always acquire veterans on the cheap, um, you know... Uh, the David West of the world. Though. Right. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who, towards the end of their career, uh, exactly. who as a big, would, would, could, could jump in there. I mean, I think um point that I was going to make about the Warriors is that I don't, I don't know. Like, what do they really need to add? You have that whole team, but it's like they have great defenders at a lot of positions when you look at Klay Thompson I feel like just with the fact that he's on the team with Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and then even Draymond gets all the defensive credit it's like no one was looking at him for defense but he proved in his final series he played great with the defense. first play of the, of the of the finals with that play on Kevin Love it's like okay I could defend and then he had to be the primary defender on Kyrie those first two games. Kyrie looked like he couldn't get right. And look at that versatility. To exactly. Be able to go from guarding a big, guarding uh, and, point and guard that can break everybody down. And you match that with a Draymond Green who guard one through five. And now it's like, okay, like where do you go? You know what I'm saying? What 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 position do you exactly attack? And a lot of teams try to attack Steph Curry, but it doesn't really work. And I feel like one of the things that Cleveland should have did more of was put. Steph Curry in the pick and roll. Yeah. All day. Put him in the pick and roll all day. Make him work. Make him use those legs. If you make him use those legs on defense, that's less he got for offense. So I felt like they should have just ran in pick and roll all day. But he did a decent job, Curry, of um, kind of jamming the pick and roll by, like, darting out to the ball handler and getting back. 
Um, you know, obviously they probably looked at that a thousand times, a million, um, to make sure that he was not in a one-on-one matchup in, in that situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe another defensive guard um, off the bench to kind of make things easier. Not that Livingston isn't that. Yeah, I mean, um, but they don't. Obviously, they don't need much. They don't. Um, they but, don't. But a big who is just not a stiff who can get out there, block some shots and rebounds, and run the floor, and just not get in the way. Yeah, they just need somebody serviceable, honestly. I mean, with Iguodala and Livingston coming off the bench, those are two phenomenal players. When you think about who they were, where they were drafted, yeah. what exactly you would expect from them in the league and their career traje- trajectory. All-star Sh- level talent. Exactly. Sean Livingston, a 6'6 point guard, highly touted. You know what I'm saying? He was supposed to be one of those great players, but an injury derailed him. Iguodala is a star player who's just Super taking a lesser role. Yeah. So they have the perfect situation. So like you said, I agree with you that they need to improve up front. They need something up front that'll help them with their versatility. But I mean, with a team like that, where do you really go? Yeah, I think they just need to uh, keep doing what they're doing <laughs> because obviously nothing's really wrong.